All right. This week, we're talking about the Mini Saints of Newark 2. The many more Saints of Newark? There's more Saints of Newark. You just keep coming. So many Saints. All those Saints. Uh, it threw me off a little bit because um, while I'm not a Sopranos fan, Mini Saints of Newark did look like it had something that the movie we're talking about today didn't have. Anything interesting going on? I was going to say being good. <laughs> Give me a moment's peace and take out that trash. We pay taxes for people to come and take the garbage. Hey, listen, Greeny, no more sneaking rides to the junkyard. Yeah, man, take a taxi when you want to go to the junkyard. Welcome to Hot Trash Unlimited, the show where me, Joe, and me, Caleb, go to the cinema in an attempt to see a movie that could be considered hot trash. Joe, I just want to start this off. Well, okay, what did we see first? I was about to ask you. Yeah, okay, we saw... I was about to say All the Money in the World because they're extremely similar movies, just in the sense that they're both boring. But uh, we saw House of Gucci. It was a name that sounded so sweet, so seductive. Come meet the family. Hey, everybody. This is Patrizia. And this is my family. Kick this out! They had it all. Wealth, style, power. Who wouldn't care for that? I don't consider myself to be a particularly ethical person, but I am fair. Can you keep a secret? Father, son, and house of Gucci. Father, son, house. Of Gucci. I wasn't going to do this, but then you did point out that we do attempt to see hot trash, and I just need to know your justification. Why did you put me through this? Because you kept quoting the trailer to me. I, it was like a movie that says that I can't take, be taking itself that seriously. Uh, you did this. I did this to myself. You did this. I played myself. <laughs> Congratulations. I guess I should just lay out my biases early, and then we'll start to get into uh, the specifics of the movie. Mm-hmm. That, that's, a, that's a good place to start. I don't like Ridley Scott. I've been known to call him a hack before, (laughs) which I kind of stand by. He's the type of director who has a lot of like polish and skill to his work. He knows how to make a good looking movie, but I think whether or not his movies have anything interesting going on is completely divorced from what he brings. He does not seem like the person who has any creativity, just craft. It's like like a person who paints pictures for a hotel. Yeah. They're going to have a certain amount of skill. They're going to make pretty looking pictures. But why would you hang them up in the Met? Anywhere but a hotel. <laughs> exactly. Why did he ever get to be, go beyond TV movies or commercials? <laughs> hey, he made The Martian. The Martian's pretty good. I like Alien. I respect Blade Runner. But man, his especially his recent output has been pretty, pretty boring. So we're talking about House of Gucci, the uh, movie that follows the trials and tribulations of, yes, that Gucci, the Gucci family. What other Gucci would it be? I don't know. Took me a second to figure out that it was talking about the fashion brand. It is kind of interesting. Gucci, I guess, to us growing up is more of like a rap thing. Like it's something that like rappers will talk about. Mm -hmm. But this, of course, takes place in the 80s. Or the 70s. Or the 90s. It takes place at intermittent points of time but it's of course very focused on like the actual family back when Uh back when the brand had stopped being like quality what gucci means today is very different from what gucci meant when this film is yeah gucci was high class and not a flex 
yeah. I mean, I, it probably was a flex back then too, but it was a flex, but also like dated flex. Yeah, and it follows our our main two characters, Patricia, whatever her last name is, before she gets married into Gucci. Reggiani, and then Marlicio. I think it's Marizio. I don't know. Whatever. Adam Driver and Lady Gaga. <laughs> yeah, and they have a meet cute at a party. A very awkward meet cute. With my first complaint of the movie. <laughs> A pretty noticeable one. Pretty so. noticeable one. Okay, I am a hobbyist audio engineer. You make money off of it. Yeah, but, you know, not a professional body means. It's not my career. So I tend to notice more things uh, than normal. But I wasn't the only one who noticed it during this scene. Uh, Adam Driver's first words, they're they're at loud party. So, you know, they're doing the thing where they're having to talk a little louder. Like, hey, I'm, I'm talking at you across the room and I'm, there's a lot of noise between us. Uh, and Lady Gaga's, she sounds fine. You just hear all this static when he's talking, and then it's like a gate just cuts him off at the very end. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that was a weird take, thinking it was just a weird ADR line that they never went back to fix or something like that. And then every single line of his in this scene continues to be like this. I'm like, was the XLR on his mic a little loose or something? Like, what happened? And this never happens throughout the rest of the movie. We never have another character no. sound like this. <laughs> Lady Gaga doesn't sound like this within the scene. Like it's so weird that they didn't know. Like whoever was monitoring that didn't notice something was off, and they're like, "Can we? Can we? Can we run through that again?" Because it's not like it's a terribly long scene. No, or anything. Y- usually with stuff like this, I just blame the theaters. But that's such a specific thing that that cannot be. The <laughs> no, it's, it's sound in the movie. <laughs> when you have to rewatch this for Stub Club, you'll it'll still be there. <laughs> <laughs> this better win something so I don't have to watch it. <laughs> they meet. She finds out that he's a Gucci. Uh, Does so, he explain why he's behind the bar? No, he doesn't finish a sentence and entire meeting. He just very <laughs> awkwardly like stammers. And then she stalks him and then eventually gets him to fall in love with her. I don't exactly know how because they jump from their first date to her meeting, meeting his father, Jeremy And then Irons. getting married immediately after yeah, that. It's abrupt. Yeah, you could call every scene in this movie abrupt. Yeah, the editor for this, let me pull this up, let me roast her right here and now, is Claire Simpson. I believe she took over after The Martian and has worked on his movies and TV shows. And internally, all the scenes are edited well enough, but then how all the scenes fit together yeah, is it's, a it's, big it's, choppy mess. It's the continuity and the passage of time in this movie that's like the first thing that you notice it's like oh i guess i guess a couple years have passed it's kind of hard to tell because their haircuts are changing yes but they're rich so i just assume that's something that they do on a whim (laughs) or you never know with movies it could be very much it's like well did this get reshoots like jeremy irons is very briefly in this movie and it's really just this part where he doesn't approve of their marriage and then very briefly at the end does and dies Mm -hmm. jeremy irons is a good actor in fact i'd say everyone in this movie except with one noticeable exception (laughs) is a good actor but for the love of god whenever he has to yell he loses disappears immediately grip on the italian accent similarly al pacino who plays his brother whenever he yells it goes straight to a brooklyn accent So which did you he prefer? He doesn't have to yell that much, though, to be fair. Which did you prefer, an Italian becoming British for some reason or Italian becoming New Yorker? Keep in mind, Al Pacino does live in New York in this. Maybe he's just adopting Yeah, yeah, that's, that one's more okay. It's definitely Jeremy Irons because I just hear Skark suddenly come in. And then basically from there, from that point on becomes Lady Gaga forcing Adam Driver to become more and more this cutthroat member of the Gucci family and slowly cut out his uncle, who's played by Al Pacino, and his cousin, Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Paolo. 
but then eventually it kind of switches and he is like, well, I'm now the ruthless businessman and I'm cutting you out, Lady Gaga, which of course leads to the real life killing of him. She hires this couple schmucks to do it. Also, Selma Hikes in this movie. Um, oh, we'll get to her. <laughs> this is a two and a half hour movie that spans three decades. Yeah. And not much happens. Two decades across like the course of like 20 it's like it's like yeah. 20 years just between three decades yeah yeah for all the all the backstabbing all the internal politicking all the family betrayal all stuff that i like in other movies nothing really happens i'll chalk that up to the editing and just like making this movie just really hard to follow on like what the motives are in a specific scene if lady gaga is like mustache twirling mastermind behind all of this where they say straight up, she's like, oh, she's just marrying you for the money. And it's like, you could see it that way. You could also see that these are just two young people that are very like. They're completely blank slates. Yeah. Because Ridley Scott does not care about characterizing anyone in this I, movie. I whispered to you at the point where Jeremy Irons is like saying, like, she just wants you for her money. It feels like a second act moment where you yeah, have yeah. where it's like, oh, there's been build up to where you're invested in the relationship and not. And it's 15 minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why either of them are attracted to each other. I don't understand why Adam Driver takes the shift to become ruthless. I don't understand Pina at all. Pina? Uh, Selma Hayek. Oh, is that her name? Yeah. I don't understand why the woman later on uh, who Adam Driver leaves. Uh, oh, yeah. He's like a childhood friend or whatever. Yeah. I don't understand why she wants any of this other than well, Adam Driver is an attractive man. Maybe not in this. Maybe not with those glasses. But <laughs> they're all chess pieces to be moved well, around, and, which is but, what undercuts the drama for me. And they were also real life people. So maybe maybe in trying to make an entertaining movie out of it, entertaining in big old quotes, that something was lost in the translation of actually trying to figure out what happened in real life. And maybe there wasn't a lot of consultation on what actually went on. Well, if that's all the these case, people are dead. <laughs> if that's the case, then Ridley Scott shouldn't have done the project and these writers shouldn't have written it. All like, right. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of Hot Trash Unlimited. <laughs> but like, this is an interesting story in real life and one yeah. that's very suited for like true crime fans of today. Oh, definitely. There's never a moment where they try to attach to the humanity of these characters. Not just like, why they love each other or anything that like that, but also why they hate each other. You like get a little bit of it in the 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 first the first act. You know, before you realize that there, there's no substance <laughs> when you're trying to latch onto something. To and... be fair, I noticed that when I saw in the trailer directed by Ridley Scott. <laughs> But when, when Adam Driver comes up to her family and is begging for a job, he's like, I love your daughter, mm -hmm. um, but I have nothing now. You're like, there's kind of something here. And then it immediately comes to, cuts to a really weird sex scene between <laughs> Adam Driver and Lady Gaga. You know, actually, the moment like that, the only moment where I really got any humanity from this movie, after uh, Al Pacino's character gets let out of prison for uh, tax evasion, and he goes to his son, who's played by Jared Leto, who has been kind of forced into selling off their shares of the company, they have a scene where they then do share that. I really like that. Al Pacino is doing some pretty charismatic acting. All the actors in this movie are doing a good job, one withstanding, but <laughs> they can't save the script, they can't save the direction, they can't save the editing. Well, and if you have one moment, your one moment comes like 30 minutes into the movie and then it's just never there. Mine yeah. comes like two hours into the movie. <laughs> Which is to say, I think there's a couple of those moments of humanity. Like when I'm still trying to figure out uh, Adam Driver and Lady Gaga, I, I'm sensing that Lady Gaga is, you know, a little bit greedy and is trying to get stuff. But they seem like a 
real couple at moments where it's like, oh, they're a new family and they're just like, they're really into each other. And it's, it's kind of endearing. And then they keep getting drawn into the Gucci drama. And I'm just like, I can't relate to this at all. <laughs> the thing for me is that like their daughter is in like four scenes has maybe two lines of dialogue. You never understand anything about her. I feel like they have just as much characterization as she does. They just have more screen time. I just don't feel like Ridley Scott cares about these people. No, I don't know. Yeah, that's a that's a good complaint. Even comparing this to All the Money in the World, his last movie about boring rich people. And maybe that's just because Christopher Plummer can act, outact uh, anyone in this cast, which is probably true. Oh, that's the Kevin Spacey replacement movie. Yes, yes. Oh! Um, but like there, I was like, oh, okay, some of this family drama is working. Some of this tension is working. So ultimately, Dan enjoy the movie. But like anything that was even like slightly redeeming about that movie is drained out in this one. I think that's because Ridley Scott cares more about making this look pretty. Which is to say this movie does look good. Yeah, like, but it, it doesn't look like one of the most amazing movies no, of the year no, no, either. No, no, no. But it, you know, there is that polish this that you looks expect like, from a seasoned filmmaker at this point. Yeah, you know, if I saw 30 seconds of this and then it flashed by your purses now at Gucci, I'm like, that would be a good commercial. Oh, that would be a good commercial, yeah. yeah. But this isn't a commercial. It's a two and a half hour movie. Yeah. Uh, I think you have your biggest complaint with movie and I have mine. Okay. Some of Hayek's in this movie. Oh, okay. That's not where I, I thought you would go. <laughs> Maybe well, we can go to that after. <laughs> she is introduced while uh, Lady Gaga is down on her luck. She's like, I want more. And I don't think my husband is like cunning enough to like ambitious, amb enough. Yeah, ambitious enough to like pursue what he can easily pursue in his position. And she sees a fortune teller on TV played by Selma Hayek. Pina is her name. And I don't think you ever get her last name. No, I don't think you ever got her first name, honestly. <laughs> she, so she calls in and she's like, you will have greatness. You will have success, whatever, all this stuff. You'll have money. And, you, and I'm like, that's a weird role for Selma Hayek to take. And then she shows up in an hour and Lady Gaga's at her house. And getting a reading again. And then after the divorce happens and Lady Gaga's been out, they're like in the bath together. I guess they're like at a spa. I guess it seems like they're roommates at this point because they keep just showing up together all the time. Two separate baths. It's not like they're, although honestly, I could see that Selma Hayek being Lady Gaga's rebound, but (laughs) not a bad choice. But they're at like one of those mud bath spa things together. Yeah. Then they cut back and then they're just in a bath again. And they're just hanging out with each other for the rest of the movie. And it's like, where did this... Co- she was just your fortune teller. Yeah. Well, it's because... It's, just, it's such a weird connection. There's no context. There's yeah, there's, no no, there's absolutely no context to whether she is important enough. And she is because she was one of the real life people arrested because she helped facilitate the murder of Mauricio. But you don't know that going into this. <laughs> another thing another thing that is just lacking in context, Paulo, who is uh, Jared Leto's character, at one point he has a Gucci uh, fashion show when he's not supposed to. And at that, there's an opera singer. And then... Eventually, uh, the cops come and they shut it down because it's an infringement of copyright. And the opera singer just kind of keeps sadly singing during the whole thing. <laughs> and then you're like, what is this? Why is she so invested? And then you find out that that's his wife yeah. like, two scenes later. Yeah. You could have established this. You have so many scenes of him at his home. Yeah, just doing you, nothing. Yeah. Context does not matter in this movie. All right, your turn. I've, I've already talked about my biggest problem yes. with this movie, which is Ridley Scott. But okay. there is one, there's one actor. Uh, our good old uh, friend from the little things, Jared Leto. This man can act. <laughs> you know, for as much crap as I give him, he is a good actor. 
I just hate him. See, here's my thing. I think he can act. I think he chooses not to act. He gets like five scripts a year. And then he's like, okay, I should act this way for this one, this way for this one. He writes out all down on cards. Then he shuffles them up. <laughs> he just draws them out. He's like, ah, for this one, I should be a Mario walking around. Do you want to see my pigeons? His voice is way higher in this too. He's, he's constantly at the cusp of his voice cracking. I'm not sure if he's supposed to be comedic relief or if this is just what Jared Leto wants to do that day and Ridley Scott doesn't want to rein him in but like he is going so over the top in this movie where everyone is like barely awake (laughs) so that's such a perfect description it's so hard figuring out his role in all of this while the movie's going on yeah it being over I'm like oh okay this is what happened but he's the idiot son who looks the same age as all the old men in this movie, with all the makeup that he has on. Doesn't look the same age as Jeremy Irons, because Jeremy no. Irons looks like a resurrected corpse. corpse. But I thought he was just one of Al Pacino's friends when he's like pushing him into the game of football or whatever. That was rugby. Okay, yeah. yeah. It looked like they were just fighting at first. I was like, what is this? Well, that basically is what rugby is. <laughs> but then it's like, oh, he's the son. Okay, that's weird. Is he like an idiot son who's like actually smart and like just misunderstood? No, but yes. Well, he has good ideas. Oh, they're good enough to backstab him over, but also he, but he's not smart. I, I'm, I'm so confused. I don't know. I, I never well, knew if he was actually smart or they, if they were just trying to get him to like well, overstep his boundaries so that they could take the shares. From a business sense, he's definitely naive and easy to manipulate. I assume because Jeremy Irons says so that the that the fashion show is bad, but I don't know enough about fashion to be able to say like this fashion show is bad compared mm-hmm. to all the other fashion shows. Yeah. Compared to Reeve Carney. Context matters. We have invoked his name, so I should talk about the one thing I liked in this movie. Everyone in this movie's fine. I'd say the legitimately the only one who's like brings some type of life, and maybe that's because he's unexpected. There's context behind why we would like to see him in there. Uh-huh. And he comes late enough in the movie where it's like, oh, finally a new character. Reeve Carney, Broadway veteran, uh, lead of the big hit Hades Town, and the biggest flop. Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, both of which I've seen on Broadway, one of which Joe has seen. Mm -hmm. He's in this as Tom Ford. And we know he's in this because Joe looked it up and we keep being like, is that Reeve Carney? <laughs> There's like three separate Reeve people Carney? that were like, Reeve Carney, he's here, thwip, thwip. <laughs> because Reeve Carney is kind of just a generic looking dude. He yeah. could be anyone. But once he starts talking, it's immediately noticeable. It's like, yes, this boy has been bouncing off the, the wall. He, he rised above. He rose above. But unfortunately, uh, Eurydice looked behind, so he had to leave her behind. I think Reeve Carney was a lot of fun in this. Sure. Like how Tom Ford brought new life into Gucci. Reeve Carney breathes a little bit of life into House Into Gucci the last 15 minutes of this movie. For his three scenes. Uh, what what part did you think I was going to have the biggest problem with? Jared Leto. Oh, okay. You no, know, Selma Hayek was way more distracted because I expect this kind of thing from Jared Leto yeah, now. Yeah, Selma Hayek like, at least is like good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was just confused every time she showed up. Like, what is your role in all this? Very similar to when she popped up for like two minutes in Eternals. I'm like, hey, I'm glad you got a paycheck, Selma Hayek. She's heavily in the marketing for that movie, though. Yeah, that's true. She's in the marketing for this, but this has such a stacked cast. Yeah. Ultimately, I'm sad. I'm sad that I wasted two hours of my life. Uh, Two and a half. This cannot be hot trash because hot trash requires anything interesting, which is something really Scott can't deliver. It's only something he can accidentally stumble into. Yeah, this uh, I was hoping I still have not seen the trailer for this movie, but Caleb just kept 
quoting. It's a great trailer. It's set to Heart of Glass. It drops out, and the two lines that drops out for is Father, Son, and House of Gucci. And then, I'm not fair, or I'm not an ethical person, but I am fair. And both of those are good trailer lines. Mm-hmm. They are. And we just kept quoting to each other. Father, Son, House, House of, of Gucci. Gucci. Which is just, you have a setup line like that, and you're just expecting, okay, there's gonna be flavor to this movie. They spiced it up. Uh, and, and, and it didn't. Turns out, it's just a heart of very boring filmmaking. I'm not happy that you made me see this, but you know what? We're gonna watch a movie for our Christmas uh, special that you won't be happy. Oh, is that next? I think so. I think that will probably be our next one, unless we can squeeze one more in. Joe, what are we watching for our holiday special? Do I know? Thwip, thwip. Spider-Man 3? I don't know what we're watching. No Way Home. <laughs> We've talked Oh, about I didn't know that was going to be the holiday special. Yeah. No Way Home doesn't look like it will be hot trash, but Joe really likes Spider-Man. <laughs> and I really don't like the MCU Spider-Man. And there's really nothing else coming in December that we could talk about. Unless we want to see Sing 2, which... No, why? No. Yeah. no. So we'll we'll be talking about uh, Spider-Man Spider No Way Home. Spider-Way No Man Home. Yes. <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Systems. No Man Spider's Way Home. So if you would like to listen to that, be sure to hit that subscribe button. If you want other people to discover our podcast, be sure to rate us five stars and give us, uh, give us recommendations to your friends. If you want to get into contact with us, you can contact us at hottrashunlimited at gmail.com. And you can find me at all the uh, regular platforms at Caleb from the real world, except for Twitter and Facebook. Actually, not many of the regular platforms at all. <laughs> Instagram and YouTube. Um, and from there, you can find all my other podcasts. I have one last thing to say. All right, go for it. Gucci flip flops. I can hit you with a sock. <laughs>